Hey, good morning and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I'm Ken Walls and I'm your host. And today I have an amazing young lady on by the name of Delilah. Delilah is an actress. She's a producer. She's she's a lot of amazing things. You guys will not believe this lady. She's amazing. So make sure you, number one, share this out. Please share this out. And number two, stay with us. We will be right back. And we are back. Let me bring Delilah on. Delilah, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Ken. You are so amazing. Aww. I just want to say how grateful I am to be here today. And um, I think you're doing such a wonderful thing to create an inspirational show. Uh, I am so into motivation and inspirational material. And when I met you at Craig's Rockstar event, um, mm. wow, it was just, I was blown away by how much um, knowledge and experience and how many things you've yourself have broken through. So, uh, well, thank you, Delilah. That's so nice. Yeah. We met at Craig Doeswalt's event and, um, that was fun. That was an amazing time. And, you know, I, I, I remember when I met you and, and we talked and we're going to, we'll talk more about this in the show later, but, um, you've produced a movie, you're doing all kinds of just amazing things. And, and I was like, okay, she needs to be on my show. So, so let's start with you talking about where you were born and raised. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I have an interesting story actually, because I was born in Northern California. <clears throat> I actually lived in a really tiny town near Modesto called Atwater, um, this is between the ages of zero and three. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was so rural. Um, my mom was like a traveling salesperson and um, uh, my dad at the time too. My father, birth father was also uh, into sales and they had like a vacuum and sewing machine store and little carpet oh. business. And, um, and so around the time I was three, you know, my parents were, uh, not doing so well together. They were, I guess they were separating, you know, getting divorced. And so my mom thought it'd be a great idea to send me to Iran because my mom is actually from Iran. Okay. My birth side, my birth uh, father is a mix of European and Native American, you know, Lakota. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and my uh, mother is from Iran originally. She immigrated from there and got into sales in the United States. So she sent me off. And um, just to preface this, so too, because I want to, I always want to say that, you know, parents do the best uh, they possibly can with raising children. And sometimes, you know, little mistakes are made and it sounds like a good idea at the time. And maybe it's not, but right. um, it was for me personally, honestly, a little bit um, jarring a little traumatic to to be separated you know i'm only three years yeah. old and i actually have a lot of memories between those ages wow. but anyway so between the ages of three and six i was actually in iran 
And um, there were many beautiful things. Like when I first got there, it was a little bit uh, shocking. Uh, But then once I was there, I got to meet my extended family on my mom's side, Uh, got to meet my grandfather, uh, who actually apparently uh, he had he comes from a lineage of uh, doctors to the king for 400 years. Oh, my goodness. The first one that was not the doctor to the king. He broke that line of of doctors. Uh, So I thought that was kind of interesting about him. And uh, wow. while I was there, I um, I learned the language. I learned. I spoke with my grandmother, who only spoke uh, she only spoke Farsi. And uh, when I would speak with her, I'd want my blankie in English, and she'd be yeah. like, "Ice cream," and I'd be like, "I want my blankie." <laughs> <laughs> you want and then she would take me down. So she'd walk me down to like the Persian ice cream store, oh and uh, she'd get me ice cream. And boy, I was like. <laughs> I'm liking this. Yeah, right. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I mean, Persian ice cream is really tasty. If you never tried it, it's usually with like rose water, and um, it's it's really nice. But anyway, um, so then towards the end of the stay there, you know, there was some turbulence going on. It was wartime, and uh, the end of the trip wasn't so fun. We were, you know, sleeping on uh, on the ground to avoid getting shot at, and there's explosions outside, and. It's very, uh, very challenging, you know, as a child. But I do remember that um, my uncle, uh, he was, he's so, he's such an amazing, he actually was my dad for the time being. And he really was a great, he he really is a great dad because um, he really protected us and he um, made us feel safe. And he said, you know, we didn't have a lot of things to fight in case we were, um, in case the soldiers came. So we had this big metal bat behind the the door and he's like if the soldiers come we're gonna hit them with a bat and then we're gonna run upstairs to the balcony and we have these plants we're gonna throw on them and then uh, i don't know really what was going on to be honest but i was like okay um and we got very we we're very fortunate we got out uh just barely alive uh and um and it was really quite the experience because i remember i had a next door neighbor and we used to swap toys. And um, I was saying goodbye to him on my last day. It was like early morning. We we're leaving for the airport to come back to the United States. And I was, um, you know, just saying goodbye to him and all that. He's like my BFF. I had, yeah. He had a tricycle. I had this like car thing. We'd like swap all the time. And, you know, and all of a sudden I come out and the two cars are leaving without me. And I'm like waving them down. And I think they were in such a hurry that each car thought I was in the other car at six so, years old and you're six yeah oh my I mean, it was like an emergency situation we're trying to get to the airport before the red alert or whatever that we're going to the united states and wow. so um so then one of the cars stops and they come back and they get me and they're like oh my god we thought you were in the other car oh my and gosh. so um unfortunately i made it back now i had this little baby chick um we couldn't take her with me i think we gave her to my neighbor but i was so bummed because i thought oh i want my little baby chick to come with me and so i'm asking my aunt on the airplane if my little baby chick is okay and she's like oh i'm sure she's flying with us right now oh my gosh (laughs) which is actually very comforting to be honest (laughs) did you did you learn like did you learn how to speak farsi when you were there yeah, I did. Did you really? Wow. I did. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, so that had to, um, I mean, it's traumatic enough that you 
leave your mother and you go to Iran and 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 then in the midst of all that you're ducking and dodging bullets and soldiers and that sounds absolutely insane for any age let alone three four five years old yeah it definitely was and um I think it really um it, they were trying times, but I think it actually helped me in some ways. There, there is a silver lining because um, I think I became a lot more vigilant. Um, I was really inspired to start martial arts. Mm. Uh, I had my youngest uncle. He was like my mom's teenage brother. And he was like totally into Bruce Lee. And he'd watch all these Bruce Lee films. He'd wear his karate gi while he's watching. He was like all into it. Yeah. I, 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 <laughs> seeing the scene i think it was enter the dragon and bruce lee was like this little guy and he was like fighting these big people and like you know he's totally defending himself and i was like wow i want to do what this guy's doing <laughs> you yeah. know and right. so it like inspired me i got really into like superheroes actually i was into comics and superheroes even before then like wow i used to have like superman shoes when i was two and like couldn't decide between spider-man and superman so i was like all into the comics wow um and then it just got me like way more down that line. And, um, and wow. so I think in a lot of the inspiration behind the film white dove that I made um, comes some of the characters childhood sort of is a reflection of or parallel to what I experienced as a child. So I have a tendency to put a lot of um, nuances of my personal experiences into my work. So it's been, helps wow. my work become a little bit more uh, rich and creative in, in many ways, you know. That's amazing. So, <clears throat> and we're going to show, um, with your permission here in a little bit, we'll show the the trailer to your, your movie, which is, I can't wait to see it. But anyway, um, <clears throat> and I can't get you to send me the file. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Oh, so, <laughs> I'm kidding. So, so you, um, so you ended up at six years old back in the United States. Now, did you go back to California? Um, okay. So <laughs> uh, you're thinking I'm out of the woods. I get back to, I do, I come back to California and, um, and so, you know, it's interesting because more craziness happened. Um, so my aunt and uncle take me to my mom's house my, my, the new house, this is now she's, I didn't realize she was actually remarried. And so during the wow. time I was gone, she, she got divorced and remarried. So I'm thinking I'm going to see my mom and my birth father. Right. And so she introduces me to my stepdad, but she introduces him as if he's my father before I left. Mm. And, um, I recognized right away that he wasn't. And I was, she's like, Oh, here's your daddy. And I was like, um, he's on my, he's not my father or he's not my daddy. I was like, and she's like, Oh yeah, no, this is your daddy. And I was like, uh, no, <laughs> he's not. What's going oh my on? Here's my, my, used to call my actual birth father, Papa. So I was like, where's my Papa? And, um, and so that was a little bit confusing. And, um, wow. And then I didn't first, you know, I don't know exactly why, but at the time I think my mom thought it was a good idea. Uh, like I said, you know, nobody's perfect. People make mistakes in their lives. And, um, since then I've absolutely forgiven my mom and we have such a beautiful relationship. She's a kind, caring woman, but you know, she was going through a really hard time too, you know? Sure. And so I ended up, uh, for a long time living with my aunt and uncle, uh, and she started a new family, 
on our own. And, and so I remember I had a bit of PTSD. So I was like a daydreamer in class, like just to kind of escape. And so I was always daydreaming about being a superhero and saving people from all these like, you know, things. And I, I saw Spider-Man, I was watching the Spider-Man cartoons. I pretend I was Spider-Man and I was climbing up walls. So while I was doing all this stuff, um, teacher, my teacher was really, um, disappointed because I wasn't paying attention and would continuously call my parents and said I wasn't focused and I wasn't doing this, that, and the other. And um, eventually I really wanted to do well in school. I was very naturally gifted at uh, math and science. Uh, Mm. But generally I was falling behind in my English classes, writing and all that um, because I didn't get to go to like preschool or kindergarten or any of that stuff. And so, um, so I had a lot of catching up to do. And eventually yeah. I started um, later on in school asking my stepfather for help because I, I thought, what can I do to you know, get better? And I'm really glad I did. I think it was around the time I was like 11 or 12. And I was like, you know what? I need help. I started asking him. He was a biology teacher, a really good teacher. And we became really close over time. And he was a phenomenal writer too. And he would review my essays and, you know, make little corrections here and there. And um, eventually I became a really good writer myself. And I was always writing these creative stories and and things. So I learned a lot from him. And eventually I moved back into my mom and my stepdads or not back in, but I moved in with them when I was 15. So you're asking me where this is all relevant because you're asking where I grew up. So it's kind of like in the, in Northern California, in a little tiny rural town that I'm in Iran. Now I'm back in, you know, the Bay Area wow. and um, and now I'm back into my mom and my stepdad's house because my aunt and uncle were like super strict. They were like, you're not allowed to date until you're 21 and you have to be supervised. That's how strict they were. <laughs> supervised on a date? Yes. At and, 21? Yes. And wow. uh, they said when you're 21. And when I was like, when I was in high school, um, and the homecoming dance happened. I had a date, but they wouldn't let me go. And the poor guy ended up leaving a corsage behind my mom and uh, stepdad's house because that's where he thought I lived. And his parents told him that I went with someone else. Oh, and he was no. devastated because I met him at the allergy clinic. I used to get allergy shots. Yeah. <laughs> and we both wow. had allergies and we're like, let's go to homecoming together. You know, we're about oh, the same my age. Gosh. He went to a different high school, you know, and all that. So um, I always felt bad about that because I thought this poor guy, <laughs> he was like so traumatized, you know. Oh my God. Because <laughs> he thought that, because um, his parents convinced him that I'd gone with someone else. But I told him I cleared it up at the allergy clinic. So no worries there, you guys. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, so, I mean, so you were, I, I mean, you were, um, you were raised in a, in a very, very strict environment. Yes. Very strict environment. For sure. and, and and I know that you got into the martial arts at what age did you start getting into and, and what form of martial arts again? I started out with Kenpo karate Okay, and um, I got into it when I was about 11 and wow. um, it was one of the best things I did because when I was a kid, I was really sick a lot. I was always getting like, like when I say sick, I mean, I was getting sick a lot. Like I had a lot of allergies, but I also, um, between the ages of six and eight, um, I had pneumonia about 12 times. So I missed oh a lot of school too. That was another reason I was falling behind in school. Wow. Uh, 
But then it seemed like around the time I was eight, thanks to my mom, she was so smart. She put me in swimming. So I started swimming classes and um, it really strengthened my lungs. And so I no longer suffered. Well, there were, there were a couple of reasons why I didn't get pneumonia anymore, but I'll tell you the second reason in a little bit. Yeah. Um, one of the reasons, one of the main big reasons I think has to do with the, the lungs getting stronger. Um, but I still had asthma at the time. Uh, I also got rid of asthma too. That's another story, but, um, I had asthma too. And so, um, I was just very sick all the time. So basically by the time I did swimming and then after a few years of swimming, I got into Kenpo karate. Um, it was really a blessing because I just, um, became such a healthy child after that. And, uh, it's, it's not fun, like missing school and then not being able to be with your friends and not knowing like who's talked behind your back while you've been gone. You know how that is, you know, you know, it's always like the little peer pressure thing. (laughs) <laughs> I have I have two teenage daughters. I yes, very so you get it. Very yeah. aware. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I got a lot stronger. Um, thank goodness. Uh, you know, I had uh, the the when I say getting rid of the as or not the asthma, but the pneumonia. Uh, I had a spiritual encounter, uh, and that encounter seemed to make me better like it like healed me somehow from getting pneumonia anymore what do do you Um, mean by this talk talk to me about this okay so my aunt okay so my aunt uncle were very strict but my uncle was a really light he's a he is i mean today he still is a very light-hearted guy he'd work really long hours you know he went through this you know he went through hell with that whole war situation keeping us safe all this stuff And so now he, you know, he was like a professor back in Iran, but when he uh, came to America, he, you know, his degrees didn't count anymore. So he had to work at a gas station, but he was always so chipper, you know, no matter what job he did, he was just always so delighted and he had a great sense of humor. He still does. And so, but my aunt, um, I think was still suffering from PTSD from, the war. And so she was, her nervous system was really affected. So she would like yell and she'd say things that she probably didn't really mean. And, you know, I'm a child and she's like in her early twenties and she doesn't really, you know, know about raising a child that now she has, because she thought my mom was going to take me and then now she has me. So um, I'm prefacing this because she said something to me that was like really shocking, but it led to the spiritual encounter. So that's what I'm prefacing this. Yeah. So she said um, in Farsi, so it it doesn't translate exact in English, but you kind of of can tell it's not really a nice thing to say to a child. Yeah. She said, um, and we weren't, at least I wasn't brought up religious at all. And I'd never heard about, um, I'd never heard the name Jesus or had ever heard of any religion except my grandmother was Muslim. So I'd heard of Muhammad. Mm-hmm. She mentioned in passing, she was praying all the time. So obviously I'm like, who's she praying to? And God and all this right, stuff. Right. But I didn't really know anything about religion. And my aunt um, would say, I wish you're such a, like if I didn't eat my food, cause I was kind of fickle. She's like, I wish God would come strike you down with the venom of a snake. That's like the translation. I don't know. That's not very kind. 
no, it's not very kind at all. And of course, she's, you know, like I said, she was under a lot of pressure and PTSD. <laughs> but I, I understand, but still. It's still messed up, right? Yeah, so she's cool. a sweet lady today. She would never do that now. <laughs> wow. Like, seriously. But um, but yeah, she said that to me. And I was so mortified because, first of all, I didn't know who or what God is, right? And then right. I'm thinking striking me down means killing me. But I'm thinking, I think I know what death is, but I know it's bad, you know? Yeah. And I'm like eight years old. And so I went into my room and I was just so sad. And I was sad that I was with my parents and my aunt is yelling and all this stuff. <clears throat> and I was looking out the window and I said, um, I said, I don't even know who you are, God. I said, well, show your face to me. Like, who are you or what are you? Because I asked my aunt, but she couldn't really explain it to me. Wow. <laughs> so I'm just like looking out the window, you know, and um. And I'm just like looking, but you know, I don't see God or what God is supposed to look like. Right. And I had the most incredible dream. I used to have very vivid dreams back then. Um, I still do, but like it was, it was like a lucid dream that I had that night. And um, in fact, I wrote it down uh, right before I wrote White Dove. I was also writing a supernatural thriller. So uh, I actually wrote my dream in the intro of the supernatural thriller that I'm also going to make wow. at some point. But um, but basically, uh, I was on a dock where boats are. And as a kid, I don't even know if I'd ever seen that. Maybe I'd seen it in a cartoon. I don't know. But anyway, it was like all like a docking station for boats. But there were no boats and no people. And it was like brown wood. And um, the sky was like this beautiful, like yellow orange, just gorgeous. Like I can't even explain how beautiful the sky was. It was just this yellow golden orange. And, um, but I'm by myself on this dock and I'm just kind of looking around and, and then there's water, the ocean. And I look down at the ocean and the water and the waves. And, um, and then I noticed the water. I know this is weird, but this is exactly what the dream was. And how old were you? eight years old. Okay. And the water was actually made of blood because as it's splashing around, I start to notice that it's blood. And I was like, Oh my God. So it's kind of like a scary, it seems like a scary dream at first. Yeah. And, um, and the distance I see a boat like with two figures on it and they're standing and they're, it's slowly coming towards me. And I'm just like looking around going like, where is everybody? I'm by myself, you know? Um, feeling alone as I did as a child. And as the boat approaches, there's two men in these uh, like robes. They look like ancient robes. And, um, and they have like beards and like, and the strange thing to me as a kid too, was that they had blood on their faces too. I didn't understand why there was so much blood. Um, I hadn't seen all that wow. as a kid, you know, all that blood. So it was wow. really weird to me. And and so I'm like, oh my gosh, are they hurt? Are they okay? You know, like it was kind of like weird to me. And um, the the man that was closest to the uh, ledge of the boat, he looked at me and he was so kind. He had the kindest eyes I'd ever seen. And he reached out his hand and he said, oh no, before he reached out his hand, he said, um, he said, I am Jesus. And I, like I said, I had not heard the name before. So, so it was really weird. I was like, who's Jesus? You know, wow. I'm Jesus. And then he said, um, this is my brother, Mohammed. 
And I thought, oh, I've heard of Mohammed. My grandmother has talked about him, you know, whatever. And um, and then he, Jesus, like, uh, brought his hand out to me and he said, come with me. And um, I remember thinking, these are like strangers. You know, are not supposed to talk to strangers. <laughs> yeah, right. So I kind of look behind me to see if there's any parental figure. And there's like nobody. I'm like totally alone completely deserted hold it you you want me to get in a boat with two strange men that i've never heard of and in a in a in a sea of blood okay <laughs> sounds, yeah. sounds like a good day to me sounds Jeez. like a good day to me exactly oh just... the heck? at eight years old that's insane yeah it was so insane and i look behind me wow. and i'm like there's no one here and I look back at him and I just kind of, I just looked at his eyes and he just seemed so trustworthy, like, like this kindness and this, um, full of love and light. There was something like exuding from him. Mm. So I just said, okay, I thought I'm just going to take a leap of faith. Basically. Like I didn't think to myself leap of faith, but I'm like, I'm just going to take my chances. So I, um, so he took my hand, I got into the boat and now I'm sitting in this boat and I'm just kind of like, and honestly, it was awkward. Like I was like having this awkward moment because everyone was quiet. And then I thought, man, do they know they have blood on them? Don't say anything. <laughs> like I probably yeah, shouldn't no. say anything about that, you know, because I was extra <laughs> careful as a kid. You know, my aunt was a little, I had to walk on eggshells with her. So now I'm thinking I got to do that with these guys because, you know, there's something weird going on with the blood thing. And I don't know the the water is blood and you know, what's going on here. So anyway, we're like going down this um, area, like, and all of a sudden there's like this tunnel. It's a really interesting tunnel. And we start to go into the tunnel and all of us, and I'm like, I kind of brace myself for like, you know, I'm not sure what's about to happen. You know, like, is this like dark. a roller coaster ride? <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it was going to be dark. Like, oh. you know, as soon as we enter the tunnel, because everything's bright, and now it's going to go into like this dark tunnel. And I, so I brace myself, like, is everything going to be okay? I kind of, and so I was kind of like, you know, like this, like we're going through the tunnel. And then we got through the tunnel to the other side, and it was like, it was only a flash for a moment before I woke up, but it was like, like light, like different than the light before. It was like illuminated, golden white, like, I don't know, like just amazing light. And, mm. and so basically the interesting thing is as an adult now looking back, I'm thinking maybe it was going through the darkness to the other side of the tunnel into the, into the light. That's what it seemed like it was. Cause that's what the dream was. But anyway, I woke up that dream always stayed with me. I was wondered what it was. <clears throat> I never really fully understood it, but all I know is I felt a transformation in my life when that happened. Um, I stopped getting sick and pneumonia. Um, I started getting like a lot healthier and, um, and I started doing better in school too. Like my concentration started getting better. Um, I was getting really good at sports. So everyone was picking me for their team, <laughs> you know, wow. let me tell you as a kid, you feel, you know, I was really feeling like a loner and yeah. I wanted so bad for acceptance. So now people are picking me for their dodgeball team. And I was like really good. And I'm like the fastest runner and I'm like doing kickball and all these like different tetherball, all these different games. And, and I'm feeling good, you know? And so, um, 
yeah, it just, it was incredible. And I'll tell you, I, um, I really had a transformation, but I never, believe it or not, I never got into religion after that until later in my life, like until I had, until after my stepdad passed away. Um, and in 2000, late 2012 is when I had my second uh, encounter with Jesus. But this time I was awake when it happened. Um, and that's another story. But uh, but anyway, yeah, I had a huge transformation as a kid when, when all that went down. It was great, you know. At, at eight, eight years old. And, 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 and wow, 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 wow. Like people live an entire life and don't have one encounter with Jesus. And now you're talking about having two. That's amazing. Yeah. So, so you, um, at eight years old, things started going better for you as a child. Yes. Um, and, and you, uh, this whole time you're in Northern California. Yes. Okay. Yes. San Francisco area. Yeah, south of San Francisco, I was in the Los Altos Palo Alto area, you know, where okay. near where Stanford is and Google okay. and all that. Okay. Um, so talk about the the your teenage years and how 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 that all went for you. Because I, I think I find it, you know, I find it curious. I think that things that happen in our childhood, I believe, have a tendency of pushing us in the direction of what we become as an adult, right? Yes. Yes. It really, my teenage years were actually great, believe it or not. Um, I did come close to getting myself into a lot of trouble, but fortunately I stayed out of trouble, but I was like, you know, I was sometimes hanging out with, with crowds that weren't the best for me. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, you know, I kind of found myself as a teenager. I remember, um, when I was preteen leading up to becoming a teenager, um, I was really shy. And I was kind of scared to like talk to people. And one day, um, and th this is what I mean by how my life kind of changed. Cause I seemed to have more connection with God, even though I didn't realize my connection was with higher power. Yeah. I just, um, I just didn't understand it. It was like these intuitive things would come to me really quick. Yeah. And I had a desire one day. I said, I want to be, I want to have lots of friends and I want to be popular. And I thought, what do kids do to do that? And I want to be able to talk to people. I just wanted to have like a meaningful conversation, but I didn't know what to say or how to say it. So one day I thought, I'm going to challenge myself. I'm going to say hi to one person a day. This is in um, eighth grade. This is right before I went into high school. Wow. And so I'd be go walking down the hall and I'd say, you know, hi, John, or hi, Mary. You know, I was like, just yeah. whoever. And they'd say hi back. Um and they'd smile and I'd say, oh, wow, that was a good thing. Like, yeah. it was actually good that I said hi. Yeah. And then I thought, okay, I'm going to upgrade to like a phrase a day. I'm going to start saying <laughs> <laughs> So then I was like, um, and so I watched this. I had this um, a Korean girlfriend, Jean, who's really outgoing and she was such a social butterfly. And I was like, how does she talk to people? So one day she, we were in class and I noticed she was talking to this girl about shoelaces. And they had these characters on their shoelaces and like, we're just talking back and forth. And I thought, wow, I would never have thought about talking about shoelaces because um, my brain thought differently. I was thinking on a more complex kind of deeper sort of level, like existence level kind of, I don't know why my brain thought that way, but it did. And, um, and then 
uh, I was like small talk. So I started learning that that's how you talk to people. You got to start with small talk. So wow. I, one day I'm walking into um, health class. I remember the first person I talked talk to, her name was Vivian. She had these really cool shades on her desk. And I, I saw her shades and I said, oh my gosh, those are really cool shades. I'm thinking this. I'm like, duh, you're supposed to say that out loud to her. Don't just think it inside. Wow. So I'm like, hey, Vivian, cool shades. That was my first phrase. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Vivian, cool shades. Anyway, she looked up and she was like really happy. And she had this like big smile on her face. And she was like so excited that um, that I had actually complimented her on her shades. Wow. So um, Alexa, stop. Alexa's talking to me. You're making um, my, you're making mine react to that too <laughs> stop. like i forgot she was on um so yeah uh, and then after that um i watched like a group of kids outside a french class and they were just like you know talking and this one guy comes up he's like this big popular guy and he's like starts a conversation and everyone laughs and i'm like oh that's how you got to do it you got to walk up confident so you know my chest is out i walk up confidently to the same group yeah. and then i, I say something and then I don't know, they laugh and then we start talking. I was like, oh, this is how you talk to people. So that's kind of how it all started, my social activity. And but you, you, I, you know, you're what, 13, 14 at the time. 13. I was 13. And and, and you're 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 having the the insight, I don't know, the uh, of like you're really thinking through this. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, I really wanted to be popular, so I had to figure it out on my own. <laughs> I know, but it's still amazing that you had the 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 thought of this is, I, I mean, you really thought through each and every step, and that's impressive. Very impressive. Oh, thanks. Yeah. yeah. And cool shades, by the way. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not wearing them today. No, but. I do like the flowers, though, sitting behind you. Those oh. are great. Thank you. Yeah, I love flowers. I always try to have a room for full of flowers when I can. Yeah. So, so you, so you started becoming popular in school, and 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 so where did things go from there? You get into high school. Yeah, I got into high school. I became a skateboarder first. Got went through my little rebellious phase. Yeah. Um, went to like all these punk shows um, without my family knowing because they were so strict. So I was doing like the opposite. Um, I can't get into trouble anymore, so I can tell you all about it. No, yeah. <laughs> but, right. you know, I just you know became like a rebellious teenager and all that. Um, uh, the interesting thing is, I did stay away from drugs. Um, I was surrounded by lots and lots and lots of drugs, um, and people were always asking me if I wanted to do this or do that. And you know, I had this feeling, this intu intuitive feeling that I shouldn't do it. I wasn't sure. It was it wasn't because I was told not to because that conversation never even came up. Right. But I was also really focused on martial arts and being an athlete. I was also part of the track and field team. And um, I just wanted to always improve my athletic performance. And I didn't want to do anything that could um, go against it. Yeah. And so I think that it was really healthy to be in sports, you know. Yeah. It really helped a lot. And how old were you when you got into Kenpo? Is it Ken K-E-N or K-E-M? I, I was still in... Um, grade school i think it was 11 yeah 11 when i got in and and how is it k-e-n or m yeah it's k-e-n-p-o oh so like my name ken poe 
Yeah, Kenpo. And you know, okay. Kenpo is really cool. It was basically, it's basically a, um, a combination of Chinese martial arts, Japanese with a Hawaiian influence. And wow. um, it's a wonderful martial art because it was excellent for uh, self-defense yeah. and really great for confidence. And um, we were learning. It was just fun. It got me out of my shell and I, I made a lot wow. of friends and I learned a lot from people there too. And I eventually became an instructor as well when I was 15. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty incredible. When did you get your black belt? Uh, I got my black belt when I was 18. Wow. And uh, yeah. That's unbelievable. Do you compete or have you competed? Yes, I competed internationally and nationally. Um, I, uh, my, my mom still has two sheds full of all my trophies. Uh, yeah, I, wow. I competed on both national and international level. I That's actually, incredible. Yeah, it was really, um, really good for me too. Cause I just, it, it was boosted my confidence of something, a goal that I was working towards. And, um, I really enjoyed the process, you know, working up to it. Have you ever had to use it in real life? It has come in so handy. You have no idea. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, very handy. It's, it actually sharpened my instincts tremendously. Um, I'll give you an example. Like I didn't have to use it where I actually had to physically use it. It was more of a mental thing. Oh. When I, when I came to LA, um, I was living on my own and, uh, I had just moved into this apartment com complex on sixth and Detroit, which is like in, in the heart of Los Angeles. And it's supposed to be like a really good neighborhood. You know, it was kind of this hip neighborhood, a lot of like writers and a lot of like artists would live there and actors. And, um, and one day, you know, being from Northern California, it was more of a safer kind of neighborhood. So I was sort of like used to talking to neighbors and being like open and hey, being neighborly and all that. And, um, and what happened was uh, one day there's like this post, I just moved in, they said, neighborhood gathering in room 201. And I was like, oh my gosh, I wonder if I should bring anything. It sounds like a really fun party or, you know, get to your, your neighbors. So I walk into room uh, 201 and everyone is like sitting on the floor. It's like an empty apartment and they're sitting in a circle and they look all gloom and doom. And I'm like, what is going on here? I'm like, wow. something must have happened. So I sit down quietly, join the group. And it turns out that this lady had um, been carjacked in our parking garage. And I was paying extra for security, for parking security. Um, you know, instead of parking on the street, I was paying extra to park in the garage, but apparently yeah. she got carjacked in the garage at gunpoint by two gunmen. Oh my and, God. Um, wow. I was like, do I move out or, you know, what should I do? So what I ended up doing is I got more vigilant. Uh, like for example, whenever I would come home, I would keep the garage door opener right between my legs. So yeah. I, you know, in case I had to open it or whatever. And one day I'm listening to this radio station. I was talking about relationships and I was like totally immersed. And it was after a show and, um, I parked into my little slot, the gate went down and I saw something in my rear view mirror. And normally, um, I don't think if I had not taken martial arts, I would have necessarily noticed this. But it's just, I thought it was just a neighbor walking. But immediately the martial arts instincts kicked in. It was like something's going on that's off. So I went back wow. um, and I looked in the rear view mirror again and it was a guy and he had like a gun 
I thought it was a cell phone at first, but it turns out it was a gun. Wow. And right at the moment that it registers that he has a gun, I see another guy um, in another corner kind of like, you know, hovering and he has something in his hand. It's probably a gun because it's kind of going like this. It was like this. And I was like, the first thought was there's no way in heck, because I remembered in martial arts, you can't let them get too close. I was like, there's no way in heck I'm going to let them get close enough with those guns. So immediately I turned on my engine, boom, clicked the garage door opener, screeched out of there and just took off. And wow. that's one incident where I got away. And then the other time was I was being followed um, after a grocery shopping run. I was just walking back from the grocery store. This guy with a trench coat is like following me. And um, I was so tired that week. I had been followed three times already and I was just so tired of it. So what I did was I, um, right when I got to my building, he was several yards away and I was like, you know what? I'm going to let him know that he can't mess with me. So I like turned around and I did, it was almost like a Western standoff, you know, yeah. and I, and I looked at him and I just, and I, I didn't say anything to him, but I just like looked straight at him. It was still a distance apart. And I had this imaginary circle that if he crossed, I said, if anybody's going down, it's going to be him. And I was like, projecting <laughs> that. And this guy got so scared, he started like walking backwards and then he started running away. And I was oh like, my gosh. It totally worked. And you totally don't look intimidating, by the way. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I was intimidating that day. <laughs> so it came in handy, uh, I tell you. That's so awesome. So, so, um, so you, you go through high school. Did you go to college? Uh, yeah. You know, I actually was really good at math and science and, and in math, I was taking calculus BCAP, but that was the last math class you could take in high school. So, um, when I was about 15 and a half, um, my, uh, the Dean of Students talked to my parents and said, you're going to need to maybe drive her to the local community college because she's really advanced and you're going to um, want her to continue on. We don't want to hold her back. So during the day I was still in high school, but <clears throat> at night <clears throat> I was in college uh, taking math classes. So I was oh taking like, you know, God. calculus. I started again at calculus A and then I went to B, C, D, and then I did differential equations. And guess what? That's how I discovered acting. Because on my I was way getting to ready to class, ask, where did you get, how did that happen? That's exactly how it happened. Wow. On my way to math class, there was this guy, he was by the drama department and you could not miss this guy. He had big red hair. like Glenn Moore hair. shower. Yes, that's him. No. <laughs> like big, bright red hair, just naturally red. And it was like, yeah. had, it was like big Afro and he had like freckles. He was just an really interesting looking guy and he talked like a surfer he's like or like you know he's like dude man have you ever <laughs> taken an acting class oh my god and i was like really serious at the time because i i grew up in a serious household so i was like yeah. it's not part of my major i'm supposed to be an engineer and oh, i'm like dude. walking to math class and then the next time i run by him he goes dude man have you taken that acting class yet and i don't know who this guy is at all it was like I told you already, it's not part of my major. Right. And then he says, dude, man, you could get college credits and graduate early, you know? And I was like, college credits? Because I didn't really know much about all that stuff. Yeah. I was like, uh, yeah, 
college credit. I guess I could take take it. You know, I don't know. Something about that made me think maybe I should give it a shot or whatever. Um, and then uh, I ended up enrolling and taking my first acting class. Wow! And had a marvelous teacher. Amazing. And what? How old were you at that point? At this point, I believe I'm 16 and a half, 17, right around wow. there. Yeah, because at this point I could drive. And yeah. and uh, what I I I'm not, I I don't want to skip anything, but we're we're running out of time. So what what? So you got into acting. Did you end up getting any roles in movies, yes. commercials? What what happened? Where did things go at that point? Well, thankfully. This, um, I'm so glad this guy encouraged me to take acting. I never saw him again, by the way. No. It like, it's weird. Like he just popped up, guided me yeah. to acting. And then once I started the acting class, never saw him again. Like he, was, he was I didn't even know his name. Recruiter. I don't know. Wow. I have no idea why he wow. was there. It was really weird. Sometimes I think he might've been an angel, you know? Wow. That <laughs> With is a big so red cool. pro. <laughs> Well, Glenn used to have a big red fro. Maybe it was oh, him. Maybe it was. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the teacher, um, I took one class. She thought I had a natural talent for it because I had a, I observed people a lot. And so um, I could create, you know, imaginary circumstances and, you know, living truthfully in those circumstances. So she encouraged me to audition for some plays. I ended up auditioning for, um, I don't know, musicals, I was really drawn to them. And I booked, I had no idea I was gonna do this. Oh my God, I bombed the first two auditions. Um, there was another guy that told me about this workshop. Oh, there's this musical theater workshop, you gotta attend. Uh, but it's the last day of the six week workshop and they sum everything up. So I went to this like last day of the six week workshop, wow. took all these notes and then, um, and then tried to apply it to these auditions. So of course, the first couple auditions I did not do well in. Um, I think I over rehearsed. I was also like, uh, I had just started singing too, and I had over rehearsed, and my voice like was all, oh my god, I lost my voice during one of the musical auditions. It was <laughs> oh, like, oh my god, because I over rehearsed, and I didn't know you weren't supposed to do that the night before. Um, oh my gosh! Finally, this one audition was singing in the rain, and. It was the day of the audition and I kind of felt, I mean, after I was already let down after two auditions and thinking, should I really go to this one? And I almost <laughs> didn't go, but something told me, you know what? What's the worst that could happen? I literally thought that. I thought, well, I just don't get it. Oh, okay, well then, but what if I go and it's fun and I have an experience? So I did, I went and they, they have you write down what roles you're auditioning for. I'm like, oh, I don't know. Um, and I wrote down like the two small like supporting roles like, and I was like, well, maybe I should write at one of the bigger roles too. Um, yeah, I'll just write one of those two. And then I mm -hmm. ended up booking the lead in Singing in the Rain as Lena mm -hmm. Lamont. And I had this blonde wig and I talked like this, <laughs> you know, and it was like so fun. Oh my and gosh. It was like the best acting experience ever. Oh my gosh. And where was this? The Los Altos Youth Theater. So is that you were still in Northern Cal at that? I'm still in Northern Cal, yes. Wow. So so you and I want to I want to make sure we have time. Um, I want to show the the clip from your yes. movie. Um, you decided at some point along the way, and and did you? Did, I mean, you've had other acting roles, and I know that you're you do modeling and and all of this. Like you do a bunch of things that are amazing. 
Yes, I got into modeling because my family still wanted me to be an engineer. And in order to move out on my own and have enough money, I had to do something. And I actually went to a school counselor and they're like, you need to like make your own money. Uh, why don't you get into modeling? Because, you know, I was tall thin. They thought that might be a good route. And that's how I got into modeling. It's just so I could pursue the arts and be able to pay my way and get out of the house as quickly as possible. Yeah. My wife, my wife is on here and she just said, I want to hear about her second encounter with Jesus. Oh yeah. That one. Um, I may have to save that for the next show. Cause that one's. Well, encounter. Then we'll just go over. Let's go. I want to hear about it too. Okay. It might, I might, might be able to tell you in a short story. Um, okay. So I think you and I had personally talked once. That I had gone Look who's the- on here watching. Oh my God. Her and Craig are amazing. Yes. Especially her. <laughs> They're both amazing. They're I like know. The best I know. couple I know. ever. I love them. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, t- I want to hear about this. Yeah. The second encounter, um, I went through a really devastating time. Um, it was one of the hardest times in my entire life uh, to make a long story short. Um, I had just broken up with someone and um, it was a, it was a long-term relationship, but it was like a really difficult breakup. And, um, and when I, I moved out to my, um, to my place and uh, there were, there were like really crazy things that were happening at the time. Like, uh, this person, I believe it was inadvertently, I don't, I don't think he was doing it on purpose, had been dabbling in black magic, okay? Jeez, um, it's kind what? of important for me to bring this up. And that's what my supernatural thriller is about, is I bring in a little bit of real life into my real life story into it. But, um, but basically, uh, he was dabbling in black magic and um, it was starting to affect his behavior a lot. And um, I don't think he really realized what was happening at all. He wasn't like practicing it. Uh, he was listening to music that um, that had, uh, it was in a foreign language, but it was uh, rituals, you know, oh. to basically open a portal to hell, let's put it that way. Now, yeah. at this point, remember I said I, I didn't grow up religious? I was agnostic, believe it or not, even though I had the first encounter with Jesus, I still, I didn't understand what that was. So I was agnostic and I was surrounded with, uh, and I grew up, my stepfather was atheist and I looked up to him like a hero. Wow. So I would always ask him if he had, if he believed if there was a higher power or if there was something beyond. And he was always explaining things in a scientific way. And he'd always try to be very logical so at this point, uh, I, I witnessed something really horrific, like a transformation in this person. I think it was a possession, believe it or not, I had to leave in a very quick hurry. And, um, and so like, it's like the, the bad mojo followed me. So now one bad thing after the next, after the next, after the next is happening. Um, and so what happened was I remember, uh, first my stepfather ends up in the hospital, uh, and, uh, it was suddenly, and, and he, 
it was very, very painful, you know, 10 days and he passed away. Uh, wow. My ex's mother also died. And then the accountant we had, the CPA we had together died. People were just dying, like left and right. And I, I was like, just mortified. Uh, I lost a full-time modeling gig that I had. It was like, it was kind of part-time, but it sort of had full-time pay. And um, so I lost my job uh, and had broken my toe. A car broke down. I mean, one horrible thing after the next is happening, right? So we're talking the baddest, worst mojo of all time. You know, I mean, yeah, I how in the world did you break your toe out of all of that? That's the one thing that's got me curious. <laughs> I know. I don't know. I was running through the condo and I, I think I just hit something. I was, oh. I was trying to get to somewhere. Or I was trying to do something in a hurry and I just, yeah. you know, and wow. so just like one bad thing, I had the worst luck ever. And, um, and it wasn't just luck. It was actually bad, dark forces that were like, followed wow. me. You know, even though I, I was not a participant, but I was present. And so yeah. I didn't understand that. I had to learn spiritual warfare later. But um, but anyway, here I was um, running away from all this stuff. And um, <clears throat> and so I'm in, I, I got into a lot of trouble financially. I was emotionally devastated. Um, I got I went into depression, like a deep, dark depression, uh, had major anxiety disorder. I mean, if you want to talk about breaking through walls. Yeah. Thank goodness, I was able to break through all that. But this was like, you know, when, when you hear about people hitting bottom, yeah. uh, I had hit bottom. I got into Buddhism at the time. I thought that that would help. I was meditating and chanting three, four hours a day, three hours in the morning, two hours at night. Like we're talking three to six hours a day for an entire wow. year. My circumstances were not changing. Um, and finally, I said, I need a healer. And wow. I had this inspiration that um, to take a sightseeing class uh, at the at AFTRA, American Federation of Radio and Television. Yep. I met this woman named Victoria, and she's. I said, Victoria, I feel like one day I was taking a walk with her, and I said, I feel like I can't. Um, I'm not going to be able to make it past this week. I had this feeling that I just wouldn't be able to. You know, it was like the end. I felt like it was the end of my life, basically. And so. Wow. Um, I, and she said, you know, the only healer I know is the pastor of my church. Um, you know, you can go talk to her or, or she could pray for you. Maybe she could do something. And so I said, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. And so I went to her uh, church. It was Wednesday night Bible studies. And um, I had never cracked open a Bible. I didn't know anything about it. Uh, and when I walked in, uh, I had this horrible feeling like right here in my heart and just like, pain in my chest. Mm. And so I told the pastor, I said, I didn't tell her what happened. And I didn't tell her I thought it was my last couple of days on earth. Right. But, um, but I said, I have this horrible heartache. It feels like my heart has been crushed into a million pieces and there's no way I can heal it. I don't know what to do. And so she said, I'll pray for you. And she said, um, she said, do you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and savior? And I didn't understand what that meant. Uh, but I thought, heck, I'll, I'll do anything. Like, I just, I got to get better. Otherwise, I'm not going to live past this week. And wow. so, um, so I said, yes, even though I didn't fully understand, but I just thought, why not? I'll give anything to try, right? <laughs> You're like, why, why I'd already not? tried another um, new age healer and that didn't work either. So I'm like, let's just like try everybody. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, um, 
and she started praying and she had this anointing oil on her and she's praying on and um and she's just speaking really fast and all of a sudden i literally saw i mean my eyes were closed but i sensed this light like bright yellow golden light just shooting through the ceiling and it literally went right here into my heart and i could feel it start to mend my heart ah. right at that moment when i felt the sensation um and my eyes are closed but i could see the light even though my eyes were closed which is really trippy and then um i sensed a divine like literally divinity like the most magnificent presence on this side on this side of my pastor like like i i was like who is this and so i kind of like started opening my eyes a little bit i thought i should probably keep my eyes closed but I'm like i'm gonna see what's going on and i kind of looked <laughs> and at the bottom i saw a robe like like an ancient robe literally it was so ancient it's like nothing in modern day times i'd seen before right and so my eyes start to scroll up and i'm like jesus is that you like i literally said it because i was like because i recognized him because obviously at this point i've seen what jesus looks like and and i was just amazed and he said um he didn't even move his mouth he like telepathically communicated with me he said all is well now and um wow and he was literally in corporeal form like in actual physical form and i remember looking over at my pastor and going, pastor Pam, did she see she was like right there was like, but then i was like Why? but i didn't want to miss the moment either so right. i couldn't really tell her and i was just like because i was just so in awe and he said all is well now and then he turned into a mist and he entered um every cell in my body i felt was uh revived and wow. um i felt like i was healing on a cellular level that's what it felt like wow and for i don't know i can't even tell you how many weeks i had i felt a high like i'd heard about people talking about kundalini awakening or achieving enlightenment or these sensations yeah. before you experience enlightenment i was like feeling this high like i had never felt in my entire life wow. i could really imagine like a euphoria but my senses were sharp um all colors were bright and i mean i would walk around or i drive and, and i'd be like like the green was greener and the flowers were even more rich and it this happened for weeks on end i don't know how long it happened even how weird coincidences were happening too i mean simple things like i'd be in a, a cafe barista it's trying to cut back on chocolate at the time so i'm I order a cappuccino, but I'm thinking to myself, I want that mocha with whipped cream, gosh darn it. And and wow. all of a sudden the barista would charge me for the cappuccino, but would give me a mocha with whipped cream, almost like we were communicating telepathically in a weird way. I have no idea why this was happening, but it didn't happen just at one cafe because I've been trying to wow. make chocolate for a while there. Um, <laughs> I'm off, I was taking a break from chocolate. But then I'd be like at, at another cafe and the same thing would happen, I'd be like, what just happened? And then started suddenly bigger. That was started small and then bigger miracles started happening. And um, it literally turned my life around. But I uh, I have to say it didn't it didn't cure the depression. It it helped it by about 50 percent. Depression wow. was on, actually. But what happened was um, when life kicked in where, oh, my gosh, if I don't do X, Y and Z, my 
my home is going to be foreclosed on kind of situation. Yeah. So I had to work like three jobs and try to build my finances back up and all this stuff. And, um, and a lot of great miracles happened after that. I mean, it was just like one miracle after the next. And I stayed with the church and I, um, we did a lot of hands-on healing, a lot of this stuff, all the miracles in the Bible. I mean, there was a man in our church who, um, was a church member, but he, his eyesight was going and whenever I would hug him, he could never see me. And, um, we prayed for him after church for hours. I don't know how long it was, but his eyesight was restored. And I remember wow. the next time I went back, um, he actually looked at me for the first time when we hugged and he, his wife didn't have to lead him anymore. This time he was leading his wife. And, um, and there was a woman who couldn't walk, like she had a walker and she couldn't walk without the walker. And then she was able to walk again. And all these miracles that were in the Bible were actually coming to fruition in our church. And we had a small church, only like 30 members, really very small church, but it was like one miracle after the next. And, um, it was just so incredible to me how like true the stuff was in the Bible because I was told a long time ago by another Christian friend um, that her pastor had told her that they were all um, just parables and stories, but they're not true. That's what she told me. She went to a church in somewhere in Santa Monica. That's, you know, what she told me, but I was like, so I, you know, and at the time I was agnostic, so I didn't really understand, but right. um, I had firsthand experience witnessing that miracles really are real and that, um, a lot of the things that, you know, I thought I no longer thought because the reality of the stuff just, just blew my mind, you know? So that is unbelievable. Like absolutely incredible. One of the most incredible stories I've ever heard about encountering Jesus, God, the, the, the whole thing. That's, that's amazing amazing so you you continued on your journey as and and i would imagine as an actress <laughs> in hollywood like um that that doesn't that's not really the overall um energy in the acting world is it uh, what energy? Uh, um, like uh, I, I think about like Mel Gibson and, you know, I mean, there's, you know, the, the, um, I don't know. It's just it, that what you're talking about is absolutely opposite of what I think most people think of Hollywood as. Yeah, that's true. Definitely. I mean, Hollywood is eclectic I and mean, there's all kinds of yes, Hollywood. I, you know? I know. Yeah. yeah. I, like Glenn, Glenn's one of the most if not the most spiritual person I've ever known in my entire life. Right. Yes. He really so, is. He is. So, but, but you're talking about, you know, there's not a lot of, um, I don't know. I don't live in Hollywood. I'm not in Hollywood, but from what I see in here, um, it doesn't seem like it's the, um, the spiritual epicenter of the world. <laughs> I'll just say that. No, no, it's not. It's, yeah. it's not particularly yeah but you see so you you ended up so you ended up producing this movie yes white dove the origin white dove the origin and with your permission i you have to say it out loud for youtube and facebook to hear with your permission 
I can show the the trailer to your movie. Yes, absolutely. And do you want to, is there any kind of prequel you want to give people before I, I turn that on? Um, actually, you can go ahead and turn it on and then I'll tell you about it after. Okay. <laughs> so ladies and gentlemen, this is the trailer to to Delilah's movie. It's called White Dove, The Origin, right? Yes, White Dove, The Origin. So here we go. Here it is. So let me get this straight. A woman with a sword took out two of my best men. <laughs> Man, I've heard some tall tales, but this one takes the cake. Sheriff Adams, all you had to do was look the other way. Go search the house. Take no prisoner. Run me! Run! I died in the cold, alone, away from God's light. But you were not dead. The great spirit breathed life into you. We named you White Dove, bringer of peace. I will not disobey, Father. I want to learn. Sense in you a spirit of anger. I will teach you, only if you release it. I'll do the right thing. You must move smoothly like water. Practice until you do not know where your arm ends or where the sword begins. You must strike fiercely like a serpent. At least tell me where you've taken me. I'm gonna let the law give you what you deserve. And I hope it's a rope around your neck. Remember, you must not seek revenge, only justice. <laughs> You ain't heard a job, boy! Brother, who sent you? Boy, it sent us. Even better. In the world out there, you won't die cold and alone. But the might of my father found you. When I close my eyes, I can still feel death's grip around me. You're not both new to all these parts died 15 years ago. And I intend to find him and kill him. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's incredible. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so proud of it. It, it's definitely um, a project that comes from the heart. Um, I want to give a shout out to my husband, James Wells. Also, he is the best husband anyone could ever have. He has been so supportive of my career from day one, um, you know, acting, filmmaking, everything. And um, the inspiration really came uh, with us just, you know, talking about, well, first of all, um, you know, talking about the Wild West and, and finding a book that, that talked about the origin of the Native Americans, uh, the California American Indians, actually, in California and the things that they, the troubles that they went through. And it was a sort of an inspiration for the backdrop of the story. And the story of White Dove, the character, uh, 
has a parallel to my own uh, story where she had a difficult childhood. Um, and uh, fortunately, I still have my parents, but unfortunately, White Dove does not. Yeah. And um, and so she goes in and she she learns, um, for, she gets picked up for, by the Paiute tribe. They raise her as their own. Uh, and she still has this deep desire to go after these these people for justice that had, that had harmed her parents, that had killed her parents. And um, and it's it's like an epic story. This is the origin story of White Duff herself. But the film itself um, is intended to be turned into a feature or a TV series uh, or possibly both uh, because it's a bigger story. You know, there were, it's a unconventional Western. There's a lot of, there were a lot of ca uh, black cowboys, Mexican, uh, Chinese immigrants, a lot of different diverse, interesting people during that time. And I wanted to be inclusive, to really include everyone during that time period and to be able to show each each person's story as to how they ended up where they did. And White Dove ends up meeting her Shifu, Master Zhao, who teaches her Kung Fu. And there's no Kung, Kung Fu, well, there's a little bit of Kung Fu, but not much in the actual film, but there isn't the series. That is so incredible. And your agent wants to know if you quit chocolate. <laughs> Oh no, I'm I, chocolate turned out to be good for me. Actually, I discovered it was very good for me, so I I stuck with it. That's awesome. <laughs> it was I a sign. It. I kept getting a sign that I shouldn't. Know, you, know? <laughs> so, Lila, you are, um, gosh, you are just so multifaceted, and and I am, I, I I'm just blown away by you. I I think you're absolutely amazing, and I'm so honored that you came on here, and I mean, you shared so so much wisdom. I mean, you, uh, you're a very young lady and you're like filled with a hundred years of wisdom and it's absolutely <laughs> amazing. It's amazing. So uh, let me ask this and, uh, and, and unfortunately we do have to wrap this up today. Um, when you see other people in the world, um, you know, I, I've been through a lot of personal struggles myself. Um, a lot of people have. And my wife, that hour, the hour went by so fast. It really did. And we're over an hour. Um, but you see other people in the world that are struggling, that have these dreams, these goals, these, these hopes, these wishes um, that you know, they're, they're not getting, they're not achieving, they're not, not even close. What, what, in your opinion, and, and this is your opinion, what do you think stops people from achieving number one, true financial success? And number two, and I do think they're related, the, the experiencing freedom and happiness in life. And I do, I, I do think that money has a part in it because I've been broke and I've been wealthy and wealthy's better, better. So what do you think is stopping people? I really believe it all starts first, first and foremost with mindset, um, to discover what 
if a person wants to overcome these things, they need to start to listen to their internal dialogue. This is something that I did a lot. Um, and discover what their limiting beliefs are. Limiting beliefs are definitely going to affect a person um, significantly. Like if they believe something to be true, their unconscious mind is going to uh, respond accordingly. And the majority of a person's behavior is unconscious. So yeah. that's going to be the driving force. And if they can reprogram their mind to believe the opposite of the negative thing that they believed, I, I truly believe that that's one of the ways to do it. And I do, I actually do a lot of um, self-hypnosis. Um, you know, mm -hmm. I write out, um, they're kind of like affirmations with the things that I want to have come true. And they, I do those kind of meditations where I'm listening to the words and really taking them in yeah. uh, on a deep level. Uh, but I think, you know, self, it starts with self-talk, you know, changing the in, inner dialogue. And when you start to become aware of what you're saying to yourself on a regular basis, it could have been something negative someone else said a long time ago. Or maybe when you're a kid, you're growing up, you know, family member might have said it and you took it to heart and thought it was true. Maybe they felt it about themselves and then you took it on. But these things can definitely be reprogrammed. And, um, <clears throat> and the first step is really to become aware of what it is that you truly believe. And you can even journal. I think journaling is really helpful. Yeah. Um, and just, you know, journaling how you're feeling about the situation, <clears throat> whether it's financial or personal or career wise, and you'll start to see the language, the linguistics behind it. And those are, that's the area that you want to start to work on, you know? I, I love that answer. I, I totally, I, I, you know, I have a journal that I created and sell it on Amazon for the exact thing you're talking about. Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah. That's I, I love, I love that answer. I love what you just said. Cause it's 1000% true. It is true. It is. And I think support and also surrounding yourself with loving and supportive people. Yeah. There's just no space to not have that, you know? Um, you know, I have a, a wonderful, supportive, loving husband, James. Yeah. I have incredible friends, amazing family members and extended family members. Um, I have amazing teachers. I have Glenn. Glenn Morshower is my teacher. Yeah. Wendy Davis is another one of my teachers. I have um, just some of the best teachers that help guide me. And I'm just uh, so grateful for that. But I think that, that having good mentors and teachers in your life, surrounding yourself with positive people, um, that have similar goals and values and, and belief systems, you know, Delilah, you are delightful. You are amazing. And I am so grateful for you. I'm grateful to be able to call you a friend. And now we're <laughs> Facebook friends. So it's like official. <laughs> yeah, it's totally official. Yes. I couldn't believe that last night. I'm like, wait a minute. We're not friends on Facebook. What? I thought we were. So, <laughs> oh, uh, and you know what? Um, just so you guys know, since you guys got a chance to see the trailer, yeah, um, we're going to be having a, a premiere, a red carpet premiere this year in Los Angeles. We don't know exactly where it's going to be uh, or the date yet, but it's happening. So I just wanted to so awesome. post it. And where, it. Where's the best place for everybody to follow you to get to just keep up with you? Um, I would say um, Facebook is 
uh, White Duff Facebook page is one. Uh, mm -hmm. The other is uh, at Delilah Andre on Instagram. And uh, the third place, I would say, because we're going to have a opt-in page pretty soon so people can get updated when we actually have our premiere. Yeah. And that's whitedovefilm.com. So awesome. Debbie wants to know whatever happened to the black magic ex-boyfriend. <laughs> I don't know. He's out of the picture. So <laughs> she doesn't know and doesn't care. And David definitely doesn't care. <laughs> <laughs> David doesn't care either. <laughs> right, your your husband, right? No, James. James. I'm sorry, James. Yeah, My guy. Sorry. Care. Oh yeah, Daddy said, oh good. Oh good, stay away. Oh yes. great things are ahead for you. My wife says that. I I totally agree. I'm so 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 grateful for you. You're awesome. So everybody that's watched, if you haven't shared this out, please do so. There's there's redemption for you if you share this out. So um, Delilah, thank you so much. Everybody go follow Delilah on, on Instagram as well at Delilah Andre. And thank you so much. You're thank amazing. You can. I really appreciate being here today. I'm, I'm happy to have been able to share my story and I hope that it was an inspiration to people and, and that they can find that happiness and awesomeness in life as well. It definitely was. Thank you so much. And we will see you all later. Have an amazing day. Delilah, have an amazing day. You too. Have a fantastic <laughs> week, even. Thank you. Yes, <laughs> you too. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.